Let's go! What is up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to Binge Town TV. This is Brian here with Luke, Kathleen, and Jimmy. Today we're going to be covering Season 7, Episode 3 of the CW show The 100, entitled False Gods. And guys, I'm not going to say that this was a slow episode, but after everything in Episode 2, I feel like they gave us a chance to catch our breath with Episode 3. What do you think? Yeah, I really liked it, and... Like you said, last episode was a lot and a lot of studying almost. So this one was good to just sit back and relax and watch it. Really good change of pace overall. It was a little bit of a weaker episode. Obviously, even in comparison to the first episode, which was all alpha characters, that storyline was a little bit better. Um, but overall, I mean, I, I get they there's 16 episodes. We can't go all 100 miles per hour the entire time. We need to do a couple of these episodes, but no Bellamy again, you know. I mean, I don't think we're getting Bellamy until like episode eight, like nine. halfway point. I think halfway point. Whew. I have to admit, guys, I did not envy you doing the last episode, you know, with how complicated it was. But you guys did kill it. I had a lot of FOMO and I'm excited to finally be here with you. Yeah, this one should be straightforward. Yeah. All right. We've got two plots we're following here. One being the Raven, Murphy, and Amori handling the nuclear reactor situation, and one being Shade Hata, People of Sanctum storyline. So we're going to start with the hot, hot item, which is Raven, of course. Uh, welcome to the world of Grey. So the storyline opens kind of with a cold open with James, who we know from the arc and past seasons a little bit, and a Sanctumite, I assume, Cora, because she's talking about Priya. So... They're in the nuclear reactor room, they're trying to get it on, but something goes wrong, and then, as we know, they end up dying. So that kind of opens up this storyline of, and a one-episode storyline, too, that this nuclear reactor is going to explode. And uh, don't worry, I know what I'm doing. Famous last words, right? I know. Yeah, I'll be right I'm... back in a scary movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, James is what we like to call a JAG, which stands for Just Another guy and that's what james was right when that scene started i was just like oh i, I remember this guy from a couple scenes earlier he's gonna die now and sure enough he did and so did kara as soon as it happened i was like they should have made everybody a night blood i mean the, we've it's been only preaching been a, that yeah. i know it's only been a few days truly since everything has happened so it's not like they've had time to get bone marrow from everybody that would have been day one yeah. if i was running sanctum well, but day one of clark San sanctum was yeah. burning down the palace so you know well we did get a confirmation that all of episode one which was again taking place in alpha sanctum that was only a full day ago so this whole episode happens in the same day we haven't really progressed much so that's why there's an obvious like no one's going to be missing um the crew that went through the anomaly because no time has really passed yet so yeah, so now Raven has to recruit people to fix this. So they get Clark, they get the rest of the Nightbreds, they get um, Murphy and Amori. And one thing I wanted to talk about, which I brought up earlier um, before we re started recording, was why do I feel like Murphy should have said, no, I'll do it, Amori, right? Like, th first of all, hilarious that Murphy volunteered, for Clark, volunteered Clark for it. Right, that the was classic hilarious. classic Murphy, but you would think that even even Cockroach Murphy would be like, no, Amori, I'll do it. I thought that was a little weird as well. I, I can't really explain it because that goes against what I have personally said, that he was probably the only thing that he puts above himself. I guess Amori, not. Yeah. I guess not. But gender roles on this show are out the window anyway, so it's like chivalry is not even a thing. Maybe you could chalk it up to him actually having some faith in Raven and when, and when she says it's not going to be dangerous he put a little weight on that so like he wasn't as worried for Amori's life and maybe he thought that if Raven actually thought Amori was going to die 
he wouldn't she wouldn't be sending either of those two into the radiact into the reactor even when yeah. when so when Amori was doing it i was like it would make more sense for murphy because he's stronger than her in general i'm like yeah. she's struggling yeah. with this and i mean it's not like murphy's jacked or anything but and why I don't couldn't know. they have both just tag teamed it run in there yeah. together and be done in 20 seconds i guess they didn't know what the conditions were going to be exactly like you can't risk yeah. them both because then who's going to get them out raven can't go yeah there's a net plan a and a plan b i yeah. guess but I mean, they do have 30 other people that know about the situation and elsewhere on alpha like maybe grab yeah. not clark because clark's clark but like i don't know throw anyone indra someone there maybe i don't well, know she dies it has to be a night blood it had right? to be a night yeah. blood and they gave clark the out that she okay. was so busy with russell's death so it had to be murphy and amori so can we talk about how there's an end of the world situation going on with the reactor and clark does volunteer and murphy volunteers her too but then Indra talks her into not doing it because they have russell to deal with which can easily be dealt with at another time why you know this end of the world thing that kathleen actually said one episode situation you know why is that murphy amori raven and some a couple mechanics or miners, but Clark's just like, all right, I'll go do my thing and not even worry about it, really. I totally agree with you, but now that you're saying it, I think it has something to do with what Luke said, where Raven's downplaying it. Raven was like, we got it. It's fine. And that's what you needed to do to get all the criminals actually on board, so it kind of makes a little bit of sense. Yeah, I could see that. Okay, so let's pivot into Raven needs volunteers, so they automatically go to Indra to try and get volunteers from one crew. They go um, and... I want to specify that there are two separate jobs that need to be done. One oh, is yeah. pushing down the control rods, and the other is plugging the coolant pipes, which the control rods need to be done by a Nightblood, who will be Murphy and Amori. The other one, Raven leads it to be, it could be anyone, really, and they would only get very, very you know, acute radiation poisoning, like puking for the next couple weeks. And she does really want the the criminals, not because they're criminals and they're expendable, but because they have prior experience on the Allegis 4 mission with the mining and like the welding, which is going to be a key part of this actual responsibility. Well, that was actually Clark that wanted that. And it was Raven who said, I'm not putting the world in the hands of criminals. Yes. So they right. go to. So ra- that's why they would go to one crew first. Right. Raven didn't trust the criminals. Not that they couldn't perform the task, but just didn't trust them okay. for right. other reasons. So that they go makes to. sense. And it absolutely. That's justified. So they go to one crew. So they go to one crew um, expecting volunteers. So Indra's talking to them, and Knight from Sangetta Crew is basically like, where's Maddie and why isn't she asking us herself? Which is where we get the reveal by Gaia, which was surprising because you would think. I don't know. I just wasn't expecting Guy to just go right against what Indra says and is like, there is no commander anymore. I was like, damn! And we get a little foreshadowing where Sangata Cruz says that Shade Hata is their greatest champion. Yeah. So. Yeah, I gotta take props for that. I think episode one I, I called that Russell Prime with Sh- uh, Shade Hata controlling him would be the greatest threat to the vacant commander position and that's kind of looks like what they're setting up especially with that line you know for for me i never really thought of shade hate as someone who belonged to one of the crews i was just like or one of the 12 clans and i was like wow i didn't even think of that and in my head i'm like they must all hate him like no one actually still wants to follow shade hate like, I would think that was, like, one of the dark years. I felt the same exact way because, like, the way that Knight reacted, he was like, wow, like, 
you killed someone that was going to represent my crew. And the way he reacted, I was exactly on your page. I was like, why, why doesn't everybody hate this guy? Who would want him to be in charge of the rest of humanity? They are all very proud of their own crew. Right. You don't get to have a commander from your clan or tribe, whatever, uh, often. So that's probably their one claim to fame. That, that just seems like it shouldn't trump surviving on a planet <laughs> yeah. that he has never been in and it's light years away from where he was born, but that's I would, beside the point. I would say that a lot of what we know about the grounder culture is that they respect strength and whether he was good or evil, it sounds like Shade Hata was strong. Agreed. Sure. Right. So after one crew finds out the truth about Maddie and the flame, they leave and are seemingly kind of scattered at that point. The next scene we have is Raven approaching the criminal minor camp. Uh, our two main criminal miners are going to be Hatch and Nikki, a.k.a. Nix. I love these two. Yeah, no, they were, well, two. I, I will definitely ahead. say Hatch was surprisingly likable right away. Yeah, yeah but I like Nikki as a strong, just like, character you hate, sure. of course, but I think she, I'm like, okay, I'm in. Yeah, I think she'll be great for the for the next however many episodes. Yeah, she's going to cause a ruckus. So something I noticed in the first episode, which again took all place on Alpha, was that little interaction we got when we were introduced to Hatch before we even knew his name. I kind of, maybe I'm alone here, but I felt the charisma in that little scene, but it wasn't enough for me to really notice it until after this episode, because we later in this episode, we're going to talk, we're going to get into that. We get a really good scene with Murphy and Hatch and like just the way Hatch's actor talks, like he's likable, like he seems like he has redeeming qualities. I felt a little bit of that when I'm thinking back to his first appearance in the show. Um, And I just thought that was a cool throwback because they knew where they were going with this character right away. And they kind of tried to plant the seed that he wasn't going to be as hate as, hateable as Nikki, his counterpart. Definitely. Uh, that first episode, we identified him as a guy and mm-hmm. a leader within the criminal minors, probably like their voice. And this episode, we got some personality and yep. I think we all gravitated towards him, Definitely. that character, and we liked what we were getting out of him. So we officially have the three heads of the three different factions. We have Trey, who's going to be the head of everyone in Sanctum. Also a bitch. Also a bitch. Big bitch. And then we have Nelson, who's the head of the Children of Gabriel. He had some great lines in the first episode as well. Didn't get too much face time here, but he was still in it. Um, and then last, we just got our new characters, Hatch. And now it's going to default go to Nikki as he's Hatch is no longer with us. Right. So anyway, we go to the criminal minor camp. Raven is asking them for welders. Nikki, kind of before Raven even shows up, is saying that they're being disrespected. Uh, they're tent encampment is kind of right at the foot of the palace she thinks that clark and company is rubbing the palace in their face um and she thinks that just overall they're being disrespected uh hatch is actually kind of saying you know trusting clark and saying you know what they're gonna give us hours we're working hard let's just pay our dues again we like this guy hatch i think they Um, would have i think they would have rewarded him if everything went as planned as well i think so too if hatch was their leader and they kind of had that voice now it seems like nikki is going to be a more volatile you know combustible Mm -hmm. voice for the miners and that i don't know i don't i don't like how that that route seems to be going but anyway i love a great exchange between raven and hatch wherein Raven describes this job that she's recruiting them for as fairly routine. And then she contradicts herself later. And she says, like I said, it's a routine job. And Hatch is just like, no, 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 no. You referred to it as fairly routine. Now you're saying it's absolutely routine. I don't know. Yeah, that was a great line. I, 
the whole episode, Raven seemed unlike herself. She mm-hmm. was agreed. Yeah, I don't know what it is. She it wasn't was... being like Raven is very personable and empathetic and I just didn't feel that from her. She was the only one that knew what the stakes were. Yep. It also felt like she got as much FaceTime in this episode as she did like the whole last season. Like relevant FaceTime if you know what I mean. Well we said it. You only get big FaceTime on the show if you do something bad. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to the gray area. Yeah we asked for it. (laughs) Exactly. We literally did ask for it in our preview. We're like give Raven more FaceTime. She's She's gotta screw something up. Oh she didn't screw up. That's bad for me to say. She did not screw up. She did what everybody else on this show has done a million times. Which we have is... a lot to say on this later yeah, in the episode. Yeah, so we'll, we'll dive right but in. But before we leave this scene, we do get one of the coolest lines of uh, of this episode is when Hatch is walking away and he just says, X, Y, Z, you're on me, let's go. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that is the best fucking name for your random ass criminals you could <laughs> ever get. X, Y, and Z. <laughs> That was probably just boring writing, like, and we're just hyping it up like it was. <laughs> and, I like it, yeah. yeah, I kind of liked it too. So good on them. Anyway, next scene is actually going to be Raven, Murphy, and Amori, and then Hatch X, Y, and Z in the nuclear reactor as they start to deal with that. And I think the scene unfolds wherein Murphy and Amori start to kind of understand that this is not nearly the job that Raven advertised it to be. And I do think that even while they did realize that, I don't think they were as more, they weren't, they weren't as concerned for their own lives. Like they didn't think that Raven was sending them to the, to their deaths, which is why I think Murphy still let Amori do the job. Cause if he really thought like death sentence for X, Y, Z, Hatch, and, um, yeah, don't laugh at that. <laughs> X, Y, Z, Hatch, uh, Murphy and Amori. I don't think he would have let Amori do any of this. Yeah. And we find out that a little bit later, uh, Raven wasn't even expecting Murphy to get sick when he did. So yeah. she did some of the stuff she didn't even know. Okay, so now we jump into Amori being a badass and getting some good FaceTime. So she volunteers. She's going in. She's got 60 seconds to go in and get four of these um, rods down into it. So we know um, James in the beginning, he sticks what looks like a, wrench. a gun or a wrench or, or something yeah. in there to stop it. So she can't get that. James. She gets the other three down. It's it's cutting it close, um, but she makes it. And But then we find out it didn't do anything because the coolant It helped, but fixed. it's not complete. The welding is, is, you need both done. Right. Correct. So we get a great line wherein Murphy looks her in the eyes and says, hey, don't be a hero, to which Omori responds... Cockroach protocol in effect. And she goes in, does her thing. It was an awesome scene. So good. Point for Amori in the imaginary binge crew brownie point system versus Echo. I know that I said in the preview episode, I believe, I started naming binge crew characters and I explicitly left out Amori and Echo saying that I was probably the only person on the podcast that wasn't fully in for them. And I got to say that they have both been showing out strong these episodes. They're just doing some powerful, powerful actions that are really moving the plot. And I hate to say, I think they're just officially in my head. Binge crew. Yeah, binge crew. They're definitely putting oh, in yeah. some work this they year. Ended. I mean, someone had to occupy the spot being left by Bellamy. And hey, our girls are showing up and showing out. I really love it. Are. Well, yeah. Amori is so brave. And I want to bring it back to when Raven busts in when Murphy and Amori are about to bang. And like uh, Murphy says something like six years of walking in on us on on the arc or whatever it was, and I'm like, I like those lines because it reminds you like these guys are best friends. They're the only people they had for six years, and we skipped that. We didn't get barely any time or any flashbacks of them on the on in space, but they were for six years. So I know we 
we didn't have much FaceTime with Amori, but they are family. Yeah, they, they are the closest of the group, which is weird to say because Clark wasn't actually involved. But that goes to kind of defend Clark's decisions whenever she's putting, like, irrationally putting Maddie's, like, feelings and, like, Maddie's safety over everything. But you just got to remember that Clark spent more time with Maddie than all yep. of our characters. And it's just hard to wrap your head around that, especially because, like, Binge Crew is fucking the squad. But that's just how we're, that's just how we have to take it. Murphy and, and Amori might be one of the greatest love stories of our time. They love each other. It might forever. be. When's the last it time we've be. seen her little crab? Oh, they show it. They show it. Yeah, oh, she's wearing that? a glove, yeah. but you do see it in the she's bed. She's not wearing a glove in the bed. In the bed, but yeah. she's she's literally like, yeah, you see it. I missed that multiple I'm times go look because the first time I watched it, I watched it on my phone, and I look for it. Mm-hmm. It's just like because I'm like, it's less of let me see the crab hand and more of like. Did they... Do they spend the time doing it in makeup or do they just hide it? You know exactly, what I mean? Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, you definitely do see it. <laughs> you do see it. Because when we watched it on TV, I was looking for it. You see it multiple times, actually. So to end that... No, wait, another reason why Murphy should have been the one slamming the things down. Right. I mean, oh hand. my God. You're <laughs> that is entirely about too true. That is 100% That's true. That's why she was struggling a little yeah. bit. I didn't notice it in that scene. She's wearing a glove. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's ridiculous I didn't even think about that she has a mitten on yeah, and Murphy yeah. is still not like taking that bullet okay whatever <laughs> to wrap up that scene though um, Murphy is like she she's kind of starting to feel it after she comes out of the nuclear reactor and I just love this one line or two um, Murphy's just like okay get to decontamination it'll wipe away 95% of the infection or whatever that radiation. She, radiation that you incurred and uh, Amori looks up and she's like, weren't paying attention, huh? And he said, yeah, don't ruin my rep, Amori. Come on. <laughs> I know. I love him. Murphy anyway. cares the most. One of my notes is literally, Murphy is hot. <laughs> With that dad bod? Such a dad bod. I love it. My God. They did it? give us shirtless uh, Murphy, didn't they? From such a crazy angle, too, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. looking up through that window. Mm-hmm. Murphy yeah, gets baby. laid, man. He, yeah, he does. <laughs> Who was the commander that he was? I always forget her name. Antari. Com- yeah, and they're yeah, dating yeah. in real life. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't I know that. Yep. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For Murphy, my gosh. Yeah. On and off the screen, scoring. <laughs> so, anyway, we go away for a little bit, and then we come back to the nuclear reactor, and I think this is where they really start to highlight that, like, the tensions are growing higher, the temperature keeps rising, and Raven's really starting to, like, press down the gas on these people and doesn't give a crap about like whether or not they're going to live or die probably around this time she understands that the miners are going to die anyway and she kind of starts to flip that switch to just get the job done right the moment that murphy actually throws up his neon green vomit uh that's when she knows that she didn't realize how how much radiation was actually leaking and how in danger the miners were i think even at this point we have to just assume that our boys x y and z are goners they're dead at this point right they die off screen don't they Oh, they're dead. No, they put them in a they, pile. Yeah, they they. Yeah. It's like they're but like they you pass see, out. They you think see it's just the gases because that's what Raven's telling them. She but says it's the xenon yeah. gas making their head fuzzy, and they start puking neon green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is when Murphy and Amory are like, "Damn, Raven, savage." Yeah, like you got to tell them, and that's when Raven has the line about like, "Do you really think that they're gonna keep moving forward if they know they're gonna die?" But they they underestimate. I mean, even Hatch has that line where he's like. You have someone you love. I have someone you love. Like, I love. We're getting this done. 
Raven's taken a couple plays out of the Clark Griffin playbook yep. in this episode, and I gotta respect it. She knows what the stakes are, you know? She's doing what she has to do, and that's the theme of this entire show. It's just never been done by Raven before. I was a little surprised that she didn't have any, like, you know, she kind of just... Right, no she had no hesitation. She kind of just made the decision, you know? It was um, out of character. Exactly. That I mean, it really was out of character, you know, especially for... Mainly her whole entire arc the last however many seasons is, hey, I'm mad at you, Clark. Yeah, like, for you doing d- this. You pulled this lever. You killed this, these people. Yeah. You know, and now she's just making that decision, same as Clark would. No hesitation at all. I know there's just no chance of this happening, but I would love if the next like scene with Clark and Raven is just like Clark shaking her head and be like, so what do we got here, Raven? No, I think it's going to be the opposite. I think it's going to be Clark be- like looking her in the eye and being like, you did what you have to do. But Raven's going to oh, be yeah. Raven's gonna be Definitely. trash for a few right. episodes. She's going to mm-hmm. hate herself. She's going to be in total just, oh, bad, dark place. I was live tweeting that episode, and I, and I had to do the go be a cockroach. Raven, dang. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I I watched it a little bit later than everyone here, so uh, I definitely have to go back and check out those live tweets because that there was just a lot of feelings as I was like going through this episode. I would I can't wait to live tweet next week. This is where we also get uh, Hatch's personality a yep. little bit and his backstory, where he kind of describes how he and Nikki were Bonnie and Clyde to a certain extent, and he said. Uh, Murphy brings up, whoa, I thought this Allegius mining mission was the worst of the worst. You know, robbery doesn't sound that bad. He said, yeah, it was only supposed to be a robbery until we started killing, you know, cops and killing our hostages. It just kind of happened to be But he does specify that Nikki shot first, which even talks more to what our perception of their personalities is. Mm -hmm. Like, Hatch is the more grounded, likable guy, RIP, and Nikki is this crazy bitch that she's probably just good at bouncing on that, you know? Like, I don't know. 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. I love Murphy's <laughs> face. Yeah, I know. Murphy's it's like 1494. Don't got anything for 1494. <laughs> Hatch's actor <laughs> definitely took advantage of his two episodes. Yeah, he did. That's a good point. He he, it. it was the charisma he delivered his lines in, and just like he, he was he's, just a good character. He's getting hired somewhere else. Yeah. So I think kind of where Hatch. You know he's going to die is him and Murphy. Well, Murphy essentially says, well, maybe you can make up for it. Maybe this, what you're doing right now, is making up for it. And he looks up at Murphy and says, there's no making up for it. And as he says that line, you see the radiation rash start to appear on his face. And Murphy understands the you know dire situation that Hatch is in. Uh, Murphy knows he's going to live. Um, again, I watched it first on a phone, so I didn't realize the radiation. And when we all watched it on the TV, I was like, oh, like it is it is crazy how when you watch it on something small, you don't get the details. I got to give the CW for some props. I think the effects this season have been pretty good. The anomaly itself looks cool. Definitely. Like, yeah. 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 I, mean, I, th- I think they're doing seven, a good job. They're getting a bigger budget. Yeah. They have to with all these different worlds and moons and also that they know it's the last season. Exactly. So. This was a very out. successful show and any sort of rating system out there will show you the last like four or five seasons besides like one or two outliers. They're above it's above average TV. So I'm pretty sure three seasons have one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's amazing. Love and to hear it. Not none are less than eighty five percent. And if you're gonna put the last season of your one of your more successful shows because the CW does have some successful shows, but this is like its own sci-fi lane. Like you're gonna give it its most budget as possible. You're gonna make this this last season awesome for the cult fans, and it's gonna just because this is what everyone's gonna remember it by. If they go down the Game of Thrones route, we're, we're not gonna be an exception. We'll shit on this show, but I just don't think we're going that way. This is this looks like we're we're off to a really good start. 
So Hatch dies. Murphy gets out of there. Obviously, they avoid the nuclear meltdown. Um, and the next time that we see Murphy, Amori, and Raven, they have recovered the bodies that are exhibiting signs of the radiation poisoning. Uh, Raven is very upset. She's beside herself, you know, with grief. She blames herself for these deaths, which, you know, we, we finally see the Raven of old, but like, you know, it's too late. She already did her actions. So, you know, it's funny. Um, Raven lets Nikki just come in and start beating the shit out of her. And that's happened multiple times on the show, like Octavia beating up Bellamy and Bellamy just letting her do it because they think they deserve it. I'm telling you right now, even if I did something bad, I ain't letting anyone beat me up. <laughs> like, I don't know about that. I don't know about physical punishment. I'd be like, okay, maybe we'll just figure something else I think, out. Doesn't Raven dish it out to Clark at least once or twice, too, because of her decisions? I, I, I don't know physically. Maybe not. But yeah. verbally, yes. yes. Verbal beatdowns. I mean, Raven's going to have to reevaluate everything she's felt for seven seasons. I thought because... it was bizarre that the miners were the ones that got Nikki off of Raven. Yeah. That was kind of cool. I did notice that as well, because is that supposed to show that at least besides Nikki herself, maybe the miners realize like we can't just isolate ourselves as enemies to Alpha or to the to the people of Sanctum. We can't make enemies of children. Again. We can't fight everybody. So maybe that was a, a good writing decision. Bro, that was V&W, dude. The brother and sister of X, <laughs> Y, and Z, man. Yes, Come on, yes, man. I mean, those are the real heroes <laughs> of season seven here. Um Anyway, so that that's kind of the end. Raven gets the shit kicked out of her by Nikki, and that's really where we end that plot line. Our other, well, before we get into the shade hater stuff, we do have another a uh, couple other points that we want to cover, right? Yeah. So I want to talk about quick before we jump in there is just another scene with Clark and Gaia, um, kind of grieving together while burying one the ring that was around Abby's neck and two the flame, and they're kind of going they're bonding because of this like co-parenting thing i don't know if i fully buy into this relationship yet i honestly them adding this at the last season and clark's our main character and i feel like they're not really giving her much yet so i like it and i love gaia so i'm here for it it just feels a little out of the blue for me i feel like the only reason for that would be so that people are distracted from the non clark bellamy relationship if they don't go that route that that would be my only thought, and I don't think they will. Because if, if they are gonna do it, Echo needs to die. Like I don't see any way around it. And I, I as of now, unless everyone's dying, I, I think Echo seems safe to me. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine Echo going doing all this to save Bellamy and then just saying, uh, "Bellamy's like, sorry, I'm gonna go with Clark instead." Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I mean, fifty percent of shows, and I'm and that is a fact. <laughs> um, in finales, use a crazy time jump to show where where. Now, so I feel like if Echo does die, they're not gonna have Bell Arc be a thing in this time. Like we're gonna have to have a huge time jump at the end if they want a Bell Arc. I could see that, and yeah. I don't think I would be that happy about it, especially because I know it was outside of the show's control. But Bob Morley didn't have a lot of face time of them even being able to plant the seeds of a Clark and Bellamy potential relationship. So I, I just don't think I would buy that, even if it's a five, ten, fifteen year jump just doesn't feel like there's enough to go on as we are now no it's crazy like now that these plots are all in motion i don't even see where bellamy would fit in if he was part of the season right now like and it's a good thing because i'm so like engaged in all the plot lines that are happening so that, that's a good thing i agree i don't know where bellamy would be either i'm assuming this is just out of nowhere but i'm assuming he would be on the anomaly plot line not the other one i don't know why because i mean chasing, his main objective is octavia. octavia yeah yeah exactly. octavia, yeah, yeah. yeah. i think he would be doing that as well 
Did you guys go, going back quickly to the Gaia last thing on Gaia? Did you guys think that it was purposefully done for Maddie not to be in this episode? Like, could this have been an actor thing? Because why wouldn't there were there were multiple chances for Maddie to at least just been there, and whether it was with Clark and Gaia or even when Indra was talking about going to get her for one crew, like there was multiple chances for them to put. Maddie's actress in. Do you think that was another I mean, budget? 16 episode? Like, I, we got a lot I mean, my notes thing? do say, you know, why was Maddie not shown? Yeah. I mean, and they're saying that she's not well. I know the reason is because the flame was taken out and she's having the dreams and she's seeing things still. I don't, is it going to be a thing that she's going to, like a storyline for her that she's actually like not well and she's going to have after I, effects or? After your explanation right there, I kind of hope so because like looking back on it, we're gonna like it more. But as of right now, it doesn't really make sense to me. It has to be that because Maddie pre flame wanted to step up and get the flame. Like she was being defiant to Clark and going with Octavia and Gaia. Like she was being a badass. She's like no, she's no little bitch. Like she's a, yeah. she's a bad bitch. So I think that she has to be actually unwell and budget reasons. Well, we're in budget reasons. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know that Clark did talk to Maddie, and we kind of see her leave the house and start talking to Gaia. I think I would have appreciated seeing that conversation between Clark and Maddie, her initial reaction of hearing that the news about the flame is out to one crew. And I would have appreciated I did think it was that. in the first episode they spent enough time and dialogue on the fact that Maddie was having those dreams without the flame. So I, I do hope that that comes back into play in a part where it's basically going to help take down Chade Heda. Um or else acting or production costs. I don't, yeah. I can't explain it any other way. So are we good on the guy at Clark Maddie yeah. stuff? Yeah. Okay, so now we want to get into the Shade Hata slash Russell storyline. And the first scene we have relating to Russell slash Shade Hata is when Clark and Indra go to visit him in his jail cell. They, for whatever reason, give him the choice of how he wants to die, and he chooses uh, death by fire, death at the stake, the reason for this, he, which is actually a pretty smart reason, he wants to show Clark that they're not civilized. You know, she's offering him, we can make it as quick as you want. And he's like, no, like, I don't want to die, but like, I'm going to burn and it's going to be bad. It's going to make you look as bad as possible. Yeah. And can I just jump in and say, I'm so happy that Shade Hayda is now being portrayed by J.R. Bourne, Russell Prime's actor, because... You know, I didn't get to be in the preview, but I just wanted to say, like, Shade Hata, last season, the most vanilla bad guy you could yeah. ask for. You know, boring, nothing to him. Jason Rothenberg did say that, you know, J.R. Bourne, um, as Shade Hata, we are going to get some more background on him. So, But I have loved him so far as as Shade Hata. Shout out Teen Wolf. Oh, is he in Teen Wolf? Yeah, yeah. He's is that a, what he's, he's from? A, he's a werewolf hunter. Well, Jimmy brings up a yeah. good point um, that he brought up before the podcast that I want to talk about, and it's, is Shade Hata Russell and Shade Hata? So he has all of Russell's thoughts, memories, everything, and he's Shade Hata? Like, is it almost exactly what he did to Maddie versus, like, it's not like a mind drive like Clark and Josephine. Right, like when, right, when Josephine was acting as Clark, she had no memories of Clark, she didn't know how to act as Clark, she needed Murphy to help her. Mm -hmm. But the other thing you have to think about is when Shade Hayda was working on Maddie, he was trying to take over, and I think the point would have been, if he did take over, he would have killed her just like he did to um, Russell, Russell Prime. Russell wanted to die, so and I'm assuming I, that's why Russell just, like was weak enough for Shade Hated to take right. over. Right, so he, I mean, he was killed. I don't know if that's just a metaphor or, you know. Slits his throat. Yeah. yeah. So is he, did he take over fully? I think all actions that, 
quote unquote Russell is doing right now. Russell's body is being controlled by Shade Hayda. The reason I think that he still has Russell's memories are because he knows how to manipulate the faith the faith militant mm-hmm. too well to not have an understanding of what Sanctum was before exactly. Clark and company Agreed, arrived. and that's why I was asking the question, because I was wondering how he was doing so well. I have to assume we're going to find out more information. As of right now, I think that's the assumption I'm going off so, of. So, B-Times, do you personally think that we're going to get some, some mind drive, bat- not mind drive, but, you know, Russell Prime in the head battling Shade Hata for control, or do you think... Uh, that seemed like a definitive throat slit. In the but last doesn't Joseph? We are, we kind of went into it before. Yeah. Josephine died a million times from Clark. I know, and I don't know. I I just think this is different somehow. <sighs> I somehow that's that's the I know the words of bad writing right there. I know because I mean it's different. Like Clark was still in there through a neural mesh, and this this is like strictly like, through the shade. Mind hate drive. is supposed to be like a virus taking yeah. over the mind. I mean, yeah. he is proven to be literal code now. Like we know that yeah. for a fact. So. Okay. I guess we'll find out. I do think we're going to get some sort of, nah, I was going to say, like, um, Shane Ada hopping into Amori or oh, Murphy. Oh, man. I don't want that I just all. don't I mean, see, given that he was able to get into Russell's mind drive, Amori and Murphy have the same mind drive as Russell, so what would be holding him back? We They're- mentioned that. We that's what we've so had too it's... many like exorcisms so far on the show. We can't have one. Like, that said, I think they're gonna. You're there like, now. Was, I'm going back on what I said. There but I was think a... they're gonna have to kill R- Russell as Shade Hater. We can't have any more Ravens battling the code moments. Like you I guys, can't handle it. You guys did talk about this, and I wasn't on. And I did read an article. I don't know the full details, but there was a specific line when they were up on the ship, and. I can't remember exactly who speaks the line, but they were saying that the the Shade Hata could only go into Russell because they were both like he was on the ship at the time. There's that was like I was going through some okay, you know I was going through um some articles and Reddit posts, and a lot of people were agreeing that with the throwaway line, I wish I had it. It was specifically said where it only was because he's on the ship that he could be downloaded onto Russell. Okay. okay. And then, so I'll it looked like that. so he was downloaded onto Russell and he was dormant until Clark beat the shit out of him. So that would lead you to believe that Murphy and Amori are safe. Right. That's okay. what I would believe. Okay. I would we're, go we're, ahead. I was gonna say we're just saying Russell literally he probably hadn't slept yet. Like Clark Oh yeah, right. Right. So that's why Shaded could take over. Like he probably hadn't even fall. That's yeah. true. Yet. That's true. Because that's when Josephine could take over Clark, yeah. or that's yes. when Clark could definitely be, Yeah. No, I did they they emphasized that it didn't happen until Russell was unconscious. So I think that all checks out. Okay. Yeah, I, I, you I, guys I, talked me into it. Oh, we're in. Yeah, we're good. I'm I'm in for that. Okay. So cool. going back to the episode, um, the next kind of shade hater Russell scene that we have actually doesn't even involve him. It is Jax, Miller, Trey, bitch, uh, Alyssa, the new girl, and Jordan enters the scene a little bit later on at the saloon. Uh, so Jackson Miller, I don't really think their conversation is reveals anything too big. I just think it's, I, I think it's Jack's like sneaky letting Miller know he thinks he's better than him. I mean, he literally has that line about like I'm a doctor, I should be better, and he's like I didn't mean it like that, but it is kind of some like superiority complex. But other than that, I don't I, nothing to the plot. He's, he's relationship problems. Jax is the lowest on the totem pole of any character I know that's been alive since like you know the Earth days. Like he. 
he had some shitty lines in the first episode, and like I didn't like what he was saying this episode. I just don't really like Jackson. They're using Jackson, him right? as the Jackson. will of Abby, yeah. who's a character I started to not like at the end. And yeah. he's already blamed Murphy wholeheartedly exactly. for the killing of Abby, and then he completely just says, oh, it was Russell who yeah, killed exactly. Abby. Is this the first time we've referred to him as Jax? It's always Jackson, right? It's Jackson, I think that's like Miller's name. Him. For, I, th- well, I think that's Miller's Miller, name for him, yeah. like Hedge Axe, but... That's name. what he was referred to in the scene, so that's what I have in my notes. But the bigger part of this scene is Alyssa, who is a new faithful character, is talking to Trey. They're scheming. Uh, Trey kind of renounces Jordan when he walks up, um, and Alyssa seemingly confides in Jordan and says, you know, what me and Trey were talking about, what he didn't want to tell you, is that I think the faithful are planning to save Russell. I think it's going to be dangerous. I think a lot of us are going to die if they go through with it. So she kind of confides in Jordan asks for his help. Alyssa's just pulling a long con on him. Classic Jordan. He can get manipulated by anyone in the world, even a new character, even a new girl. That was honestly probably the last chance I'll give Jordan to have a full redemption. If he just didn't go see Russell and went and had that conversation he had with one crew, things would be good. But that was like, to me, I think it's too late. I think it's done. Like, he's not going to get redeemed in my eyes. So also in this scene, Jordan says to Alyssa, I think I want to bring Russell more than just his morning coffee. Did we see exactly what he got? Because he brought clothes from Indra, but that couldn't have been what he was referring to. No, he means he's going to talk to him. Yeah, he just Oh, okay. okay. Both times I watched it, I was like, ugh. I thought it was going to be like a key or something. No, he's just corny. Like, oh, I'm going to talk to him while giving him this coffee. I have other something else to do. It's basically something no one would ever say in real life. Yeah. (laughs) That completely went over my head that Jordan just sucks. I guess I was giving him too much credit. That was his last chance of redemption for me. I appreciated that he did go right to one crew, too. So he's being transparent with both sides but yeah he's uh, he had the chance to jump all the way back onto team one crew and decide to split the difference instead and look what the fuck's gonna happen because of that he also played the monty card twice oh yeah i was just gonna say that and that name carries some weight it really does especially here yes in this room we are monty Monty forever yeah okay so anyway the next Shade hater Russell scene is Jordan physically visiting Russell, tries to convince him to talk the faithful out of, you know, their rescue plan or whatever. And he doesn't give it a definitive answer. Um, but obviously we find out later that he is going to try and talk the faithful out of it. Yeah. So now we have Shade Hate as Russell giving the speech, telling them not to do anything um, and that his death is warranted. And then we've got Tobin coming in hot and shoots him. And at this point, we don't know that this was planned. But then we find out that it indeed was his plan all along. The long con. That bitch Alyssa comes in. Yeah, now I want to know, and I want to ask you guys, I don't know if we do know yet, but are all the Sanctumites in on this plan, or is it just Russell, Shade Hater, you know, slash Shade Hater, and Alyssa? My first thought would be, they they made it pretty specific that... The, all the people that were left in Sanctum, all the Sanctumites that were there that were originally on the planet before one crew got there, they kind of split into two once the Primes started dying. It was those that were super, super faithful. They're going to do anything for the Primes. And that's, I think, this faction. I don't know what the percentage breakdown is because we don't really get a good idea. But then there's going to be the ones that were willing to give up the Primes once they were told the truth. I think those people were not going to be in on this at all. But the rest of them... 
there's there's probably enough of them and there's enough support there that I don't know. I can't. Well, the, the reason the reason I'm asking is because you know he got the words out, "Don't do anything wrong," and then he gets shot. So why do Clark and Indra and Gaia all think that now he can't be killed because he's a martyr? The one guy shot him saying false god, but he still told his followers, just like he was supposed to, don't do anything when they kill me. So it ha- So that's my question. That's why I want to know. if they're, they, th- At that point, you would have to assume they are all in, all in it, to make sense. I don't really know how to respond, because I thought that was pretty sound reasoning by Clark and Indra, saying we can't like execute him now because he would be a martyr. But from what you just said, I agree with you. They could totally kill him, because he got his point across like... You know, don't do anything point. stupid, exactly. And they still have to appease the children of Gabriel, who I don't think we saw a lot of this episode. We saw we they were they Nelson were there at briefly, the speech. yeah, yeah, but we didn't see too much of them. I, I, I guess don't know. we'll find I don't out. Know. Yeah, yeah, I guess we will good find point, out. Though. But that is a good point. Yeah. Either way, um, and also they weren't going to kill off Russell slash Shade Hater. Anyway, they take him to medical, um, and Alyssa comes in, reveals that they are in cahoots, and that. And he eats a big, good-ass cookie. Oatmeal raisin by the looks of it. And when is the last time you think Shade Hayda had a cookie? Never. Never. Literally, literally, literally never. never. Literally like, never. Like, picture um, when even the people from the Ark went to Mount Weather and they were eating that food and, like, Jasper and Monty were eating that cake and they're, like, fighting for different slices yeah. of cake. I was like, damn, yeah. All right, so the last thing I want to get into since we just finished the episode, I put out, or we put out on Bingetown TV uh, Twitter account, a tweet asking what everyone thought of the episode. It was a little surprising because I think overall we liked this episode, um, but we had four options. One was loved it, one was it was okay, one was not good, and one was Raven, no. <laughs> so we had 31% saying not good, 29% saying it was okay, 23% going with the Raven, no, <laughs> and... Uh, 17% saying loved it. Now, last episode, it was overwhelming, loved it. So what do you guys think? Yeah, so the results of that don't surprise me much. I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier in the episode. It's it's really hard to follow up an episode like what we had last week because it was just all go. It was such good information. It was great characters, great plot. Following it up with going back to Sanctum, which seems a little bit more tame in the grand scheme of things when you're talking about the anomaly. But... What I will say is um, the reason that you could pick apart this episode a little bit more than normal is I would say it's because we did get the 16. We're getting 16 episodes this season. It's a little bit longer than normal. So naturally, there's going to be a little bit more filler. And I just kind of think that if you're if you're taking a step back and looking at this episode by itself, not much really happens like the reactor. All that stuff was kind of self-contained. There's not going to be a lot of. Um, effects. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nothing's going to really Besides come from Raven. that. I was going to say, moving forward, it's going to be the implications of this episode right. versus right. what the actual episode was. Right. The things that we actually got out of this episode were Raven's morals. Like That's going to be a topic and, and a character driver for going forward for her. Um, we got one crew's collapse pretty much because of uh, you know Maddie being outed as not the commander anymore. And then third is we get a little bit of a glimpse into Shade Hayda's plan and how he's going to escape. But besides that, like, do you guys disagree? Is the reactor thing, if you took that out, what really is, would change? I want to add that now that Nikki is also the head of the criminals now, which is sure. going to change the trajectory because Hatch was kind of more level-headed. 
Yeah. So I guess basically what I'm trying to say is like, I see why people aren't going to receive this as well. And um, like overall is fine, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to be one of the highlights of the season. I think that this episode set up a lot of how Shade Hayda is going to accumulate his following. I think one crew, one crew falling to his aid as the pseudo commander is you know, possibly a big implication. I think he already has the disciples or the sanctumites under his wing. And I also think that the miners could fall under Shade Hayda, like Nikki could gravitate towards Russell slash Shade Hayda. So I think one of the big things is that Shade Hayda slash Russell got himself an army or a following, a bigger following than just the sanctumites. Not the disciples. You mentioned them. That's Bardo, but Excuse me, yes. Do you mean to tell me that it's everybody against our heroes again? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. A a familiar story. (laughs) Tale as old as time. Clark versus the world, baby. All right. So now let's get into the best segment, which is Bang Kill Mary. Um, Talking about implications, whoever you kill in this actually dies. So you just stole my thunder a little bit, Kathleen. Jimmy came uh, up with it. But but um, I. yeah, so your segment though. I'm totally kidding. So I'm gonna go first, and like Kathleen said, this one is a little bit uh, more difficult than the last couple we did because the person you decide to kill actually is being killed for the rest of this series. So it actually has implications. So we're gonna go with our three main girls here: Clark, Octavia, and Raven. <laughs> So, like I said, I'll go first, and I'm going to be a little controversial, but I do have my reasons, and I want you guys to think while while I'm going, because I actually, because I thought of this, I had time to think. I'm killing Clark, okay? Te- technically our main character. I'm going to marry Raven, because that has never changed for me in the whole season. she's a good cook. She is always, <laughs> she's always going to be the one I marry, and I'm going to bang Octavia, and the reason why we're going with this here is the marry and the bang aren't important to this. It's the kill, okay? So through this episode, we found out that Raven is going to be more important, could be more important than Clark because, first of all, she's Raven who does everything for them mechanically. She She's basically worked on everything for them. Now we know that she can make Clark's decisions, okay? The kind of decisions that Clark would make, Okay. In the rest, for the rest of the series, we're going to have a situation where those decisions will have to be made. Clark could do that, or now Raven could do that. Octavia is going to be needed because en- the anomaly is endgame, and you need Octavia for the endgame, okay? Clark, I would say, is the most expendable only because she's the leader, she makes those decisions, but if she dies, Bellamy could take her place and be that same leader later when he comes back, if he comes back. So it's sad to say, but I'm killing Clark. I hate this. <laughs> I hate to hear that. But when you lay it out like that, it's kind of just like you have to kill Clark because one, Raven's our coder, and we can't fucking do anything. She can pilot. She can code. She is the only without Raven for this episode alone, we're all dead. Everyone on Sanctum is dead. So Raven's off the board, and I'm also marrying her too because she's Bay and she's the best. Um. I guess you can make an argument for Octavia, but again, if you're going to talk specifically at this point where we are, we can't have Raven or Octavia dying because of what we're going to need to use. We're going to we're there's a lot she has left to offer in terms of the anomaly storyline. So, so 
Clark is definitely the kill for me as well. Um, I'm marrying Clark. <laughs> I love Clark. I'm like a Lexa girl, but I was more a Clexa girl. Like I love them both together. I could, I would be Lexa to marry Clark, or I would be Clark to marry Lexa. I don't care. I'll take either role. So I'm not killing Clark. I'm keeping her alive. Um, I agree. Ba- I'm gonna bang Raven because I love her too. And then I'm gonna kill Octavia in a blaze of glory, trying to save Belle or something in some sort of redemption. Although we think that her redemption arc is coming to an end and we're here and we love her again i think that fully she might die to really it might light a fire under bellamy's ass whenever that happens and i yeah. don't know make some powerful stuff happen which comes to me uh who this is the first time i'm hearing this bang kill mary mm-hmm. unlike my co-hosts um i have to agree raven has to be safe she's the programmer she literally saved and or avoided a nuclear meltdown so and you know i'll marry her why not she's mm-hmm. bae of course and this is a tricky one um and i think i have to kill octavia only because i do think she's gonna die and i think sanctum needs clark she's the de facto leader and i agree jimmy with your point that bellamy could occupy that role Raven's not there yet. She made that decision once, and she's going to be out of commission for the next five episodes, I think. Well, we'll see. But Sanctum needs Clark. Those people need Clark to be that leader, and I don't think they could survive without her. So I'll bang Clark, I suppose, and that leaves Octavia to die, which is unfortunate because if she were to die right here, right now, then I would be appalled at not you know, getting to figure out the rest of her storyline because she is the best storyline to follow right now. But yes, that that would be mine. Kill Octavia. The joy of last seasons and knowing it's your last season is being able to kill gigantic characters and have it be something that your viewers aren't completely devastated by. You could kill somebody in the final episode and it's not like you're missing them next season. Mm-hmm. So the... the I just think that they anybody's on the table. Like yeah, they so can kill literally. Why, anybody. why didn't Game of Thrones take that fucking advice? I don't know, Luke. I don't know. Right, and we'll get back to this one at the end of the se- at the end of the season to see who was right, yeah. who was wrong. Oh, true. And also, all three could live happily ever after and <laughs> all marry each other. So, like, I would say that I would be mildly perturbed if all three of those make it out of this series alive. And I, I think I didn't know this was what's your prediction. No, no. Okay, but I'm just, yeah, yeah. I don't even want to start that dialogue. Right now, I thought not... this was just a lighthearted Bang Kill Mary. No, <laughs> okay. yeah, with implications. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> so that's going to conclude our Bang Kill Mary segment and also the podcast episode as a whole. As always, we're going to be following Season 7 of The 100 Weekly with a podcast after every episode. Next up is Episode 4, titled Hesperides. Before signing off, I want to shout out our producer Dave on the twos and fours. He's been killing it for us, and he'll be behind the mic for us soon. You guys are going to get a chance to meet him and hear from him. It's going to be great. But if you like what you heard, give Bingetown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram, and be sure to subscribe to our show on Spotify and the Apple Podcast app. Once again, we are Bingetown TV, and thanks for listening.